This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Searchwide Global, the premier executive search firm in the DMO space. Mike Gamble and his team uncover the talent out there that isn't looking, meaning that clients get a far richer candidate base from which to choose than just placing ads in publications and online. And their client satisfaction rate across multiple metrics is 98%. If you're looking for a new opportunity or looking for the perfect candidate, call them. You can learn more at searchwideglobal.com. And now on to our show. Our guest today is Paul Nursey, who joined Destination Greater Victoria in January 2010. He is an experienced and respected senior tourism leader and progressive tourism marketing strategy and branding expert with 25 years of tourism-related leadership and management experience. He has held leadership positions with the Canadian Tourism Commission, Rocky Mountaineer Rail Tours, Mount Seymour Resorts, and Tourism Vancouver. Widely regarded as one of Canada's top tourism policy minds, Paul serves on the board of Destinations International and the Tourism Industry Association of Canada as the Advocacy Committee Chair. Back in 2016, Paul successfully negotiated a new funding relationship with local hoteliers, the city of Victoria, and the province of British Columbia. Under Paul's leadership, Destination Greater Victoria has also assumed responsibility in a natural evolution with sports host Victoria to partner on sports tourism in Greater Victoria. He has also overseen conference business, including co-founding the Impact Sustainability Travel and Tourism Conference, which we'll talk about during this episode. Since the beginning of COVID-19, Paul has moved Destination Greater Victoria to a leaner and more viable financial model, worked with industry partners to create the Greater Victoria Rescue and Recovery Task Force, and has set the organization on a pathway to support industry for both short-term survival and medium-term recovery. Paul holds a degree in regional planning from Simon Fraser University. He has completed the Executive Development and Tourism Program from the University of Hawaii at Manoa and has completed the Director's Education Program from the Institute of Corporate Directors and University of Toronto's Rotman School of Management. Paul Nursey, welcome to DMOU. Hey, thanks, Bill. I got to shorten that bio. It's a bit embarrassing, but thank you for having me on. You know, I say the same thing. We, you know, we send the bio out and we expect them to edit it. And when they don't, it's like, jeez. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I got to tell you, you know, everybody's looking back now because as we record this episode, we are at essentially the one-year mark from when the world stopped traveling. And I think back to what we were doing in the months before that, when, you know, when life was somewhat normal. And I remember breaking bread with you. I think it was in D.C., and that, see, that's the silly part is I can't even remember where it was, but we had a wonderful evening and it's great to have you on the show. First off, before we get to your three questions in your bonus round, you know, down here in America, we have utilized an insanely incoherent strategy in attempting to combat the virus. Canada, on the other hand, has been much more aggressive, which has been good for public health, but horrible for the travel and hospitality economy. Tell us how things are going in Victoria and BC. Yeah, Bill, I think you nailed it. And it wasn't DC. We had a wonderful dinner and um, 
And a year ago, actually, I was on the road with our general managers in our annual uh, general manager sales mission for the convention business. We were in Ottawa, which is, of course, our nation's capital, where all of our associations are headquartered. Um, when the global pandemic was declared and we were actually on the road, it was yeah. it was uh, probably the last general manager's mission um, or DMO mission in Canada that took place. And of course, Victoria, we like to be on the bleeding edge, but maybe that was a bit too far on the edge. I too, I was on the road on March 13th and flights started getting canceled. And I was thinking, I'm not going to get home. And so I, ultimately I called my car rental company and I said, can I just drive home? Which was like, you know, eight hour drive, but I wasn't getting on another plane. I mean, it was clear that I was going to get stranded somewhere, probably farther away from Madison than I wanted to be, which is actually what they were suggesting. They, my flight to Detroit to get home had been canceled. They wanted to route me through Atlanta. And I went, whoa, 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 wrong direction, wrong direction. You know? Well, in these situations, people have an incredible homing um, instinct. I remember working at 9-11 at Tourism Vancouver uh, in the visitor center, actually, um, well, I was in the membership area and I went down and I helped coordinate our response, but people just wanted to get home any way possible. And uh, it's an amazing yeah. uh, feeling. Um, but how are, how are things going here? You know, you're absolutely right. Canada as a whole uh, was very aggressive in uh, taking measures early and has been very aggressive also with some of its relief measures. But they put in a very progressive wage subsidy early in the pandemic, which stabilized a lot of things. But on the flip side, um, you know, our political leaders, and I think I don't, I don't blame them. They've been very anti-travel. Uh, they've been, you know, this is Mr. Canada and certainly the Premier of British Columbia have said very negative things about travel, even though we know it's a, only a very small percentage mm -hmm. of any kind of spread over and over and over again for the last year and really stoked the fear. So now as the narrative turns and vaccines are rolling out and Canada's a little bit behind the United States, but we'll be largely vaccinated everyone with, with a first dose in, in late June or July at, at the latest. Yeah. The narrative needs to change and the tone at the top matters. And, and I'm concerned that we've kind of missed the pendulum swing here. And as distribution and aviation maps and uh, tour operators make decisions for 2022 and 2023, the Canada may become a bit of a backwater because we've been so negative towards travel, right from the prime minister down. So I think, you know, it's the next few weeks here are going to be absolutely critical. Yeah, it's interesting because we had a similar situation here during the Obama administration, early in the administration, where it became clear that there was a fair amount of corporate abuse going on in meetings and conventions, you know, going to high-end resorts and, you know, lavish events in Vegas while we were trying to come out of the recession. And the president was really wildly dismissive of the travel industry. And the reason I bring that up is there's hope because within two years, you know, he finally began to realize that there were outliers that were the bad apples, but that the vast majority were doing things that really spurred the economy. And within a couple of years after being, you know, that guy, he signed into law the, uh, you know, brand USA. So here's hoping that this is a moment yeah, in yeah. time and that you can get past that. Yeah, we hope that cooler heads will prevail. I, I'm one of the leaders in Canada that are suggesting is now is not the time to look inward. It's the time to start looking outward into the big wide world again, but to do things right. And that's where we can link back to the whole concept of sustainability, because if we take care of our own backyard, uh, travel is an incredibly progressive, supportive and beneficial industry. Um, and, and it's really sad how we've been scapegoated during this period. Yeah. Well, and sustainability is the topic uh, that we wanted to talk to you about. And congratulations, because earlier this year, Destination Greater Victoria became the first major metro DMO in North America to achieve a carbon neutral designation. 
So first off, tell us why sustainability has become such an important North Star for you. And what goes into a process like this? How, how do you become carbon neutral? Sure. Well, I'll start with the first. Um, you know, I arrived here um, almost 10 years ago. I grew up very close to Victoria in Vancouver, our major city in British Columbia. Uh, and Victoria is the number two city. And I, I got this job and, you know, I, I'd been in the destination marketing business, two previous stops at pretty senior levels. And um, I got here and I was amazed at just how different Victoria was. And there was just the ethos here. You know, that's how we did business. And, um, you know, my, my thinking kind of rounded into form even more, you know, in parallel mm -hmm. as Jack Johnson started rolling out his idea of DMOs being a shared community value. Because that is a value and an ethos of Victoria. Yeah. It's just how we live um, with a focus on sustainability, environmentally, primarily, but also cultural and, and other forms of sustainability and equity. But I, I want to stress, it's also how we do business. We don't sacrifice profit in the process. I have so many wonderful successes here in Greater Victoria, businesses that are thriving and expanding, all while being, you know, a, you know, carbon neutral or really watching their waste cycle or doing so many wonderful things to give back. Um, I think of Big Wheel Burger, which is a, a six location burger chain in the region that's completely carbon neutral and waste free, yeah. but you would never know it. And uh, the burgers are amazing. And Bill, when you come here for the 2023 CEO Summit, I'm going to take you there and we're going to have some amazing burgers and shakes. All right. You'd, you'd never know that all the wonderful things they do for the planet. And that's just how we are. So I was getting concerned that our DMO was actually out of touch with the broader community. So that was one of the drivers. And the other driver was just realizing as I studied it more and more, and I am a studier, I, I read in incredible volumes on, on trends and that type of stuff, because I think it's incumbent on us as CEOs to be at, at the leading edge and be knowledgeable. Yeah. I just saw the business opportunity. You know, the world is heading in this direction, whatever your political views are. And if we could become a center of excellence in this space, it would be good for our brand, both in the leisure and the meeting space. It would make our meeting planners feel proud about coming to a responsible and green destination. And, you know, we're talking about it today. Uh, as one example, we've got tremendous coverage about it, but we did it for the right reasons because that's how we live. And we, we think there's absolutely no conflict between being environmentally sustainable and um, driving good business outcomes. Because the first metric on my balance scorecard still is confirmed room nights and heads and beds, right? And that's not going to go away. But we think we can attract a better customer. And it's the same principle of yield management, having the best customer mix, you know, as a hotel would say, the perfect fill. I think we can do that. We can have the perfect fill in the destination with the right type of customers that align with the values of the community. So that was the, the genesis. Uh, the process was um, when I learned through the Impact Sustainability uh, Travel and Tourism Conference, and we'll get to that a bit later, about just how, um, how rigorous the process is. This isn't just a matter of writing a check and then, you know, you become carbon neutral and you offset all of your carbon. You actually have to inventory everything that you're currently doing. There's detailed analysis of your travel, your purchasing, your procurement, um, how you spend your days. So three years ago, we started the process and said, well, you know what, we're going to start offsetting and purchasing offsets of our business travel. Um, that's a good place to start and it's manageable and it's not too disruptive within the organization. And then we realized that maybe we would do, um, we would try to be more efficient with some of our procurement and then we would start to... Um, slowly reduce our carbon contribution. So it's been a three-year process where we move from, you know, a starting point, a baseline, uh, to being receiving a designation of being carbon friendly, which is being very conscious of our outputs and our, our contributions to uh, climate change. And then finally, in the third year, we eliminated as much carbon as we could 
And then those stuff that we just can't eliminate, we purchase offsets, um, which are certified that are for projects. In our case, the Great Bear Rainforest Project here in British Columbia, that offset carbon that we do produce uh, with carbon capture and sequester type programs or tree canopies or other things that capture and eliminate carbon. So we are now certified as carbon neutral. Um, and it's something that we're going to continue even as we grow back up. Yeah, that is so cool. And that's, I think, for those DMOs that have a sales team on the road, on airplanes, that's the hard part on carbon neutral, right? And that's why the offsets are so important because the trail we leave in trying to drum up business for our destinations does have an impact. And I think that during COVID, we've seen carbon levels down. The environment is obviously better off for us, even though we see massive pieces of Antarctica, you know, cave off. You know, it's, that's the hard part is travel by its very nature tends to throw off some carbon. For sure. And I think um, it's about making conscious choices. So my biggest contribution in carbon was actually, you know, driving around the region. We have a pretty compact core, but we have quite a geographically dispersed region in Greater Victoria. So I would have to go to stakeholder meetings. So at a natural point in time, when it was time for me to do it anyways, I purchased a hybrid, but mostly electric vehicle. So it was a conscious decision that I made as a leader to set the tone at the top. So I'm still going to have to do the stakeholder meetings, but I can do them a little bit differently. And I think if we take this ethos to the whole value chain, I know our hotels are working on it and our community. We have about three different carbon neutral hotels right now. Um, our major flagship hotel, the Fairmont Empress, is currently closed. They'll be open April 1. But one of the major projects they're doing is completely redoing their boiler system and their heating system to have a, a decreased carbon footprint and to decrease their contributions to climate change. So if we're all conscious about it, we can reduce the amount of carbon that we um, that we all contribute. And I think it's about working through the whole value chain. Yeah. And isn't that the key, is to make sure that our partners join with us. <laughs> this really dates me. But back in the 90s, when I was the CEO of what is now called Destination Madison. In our member newsletter, we published a little piece about that was the moment in time that hotels began saying, be careful for the environment. If you don't need your towels recycled, you know, hang them. If you want them recycled and redone, leave them on the floor. We all do that today, but back in the 90s, that was a fairly new concept. And I remember putting that article in our newsletter and having one of my hoteliers push back really, really hard and say, oh, please stop. And I just kind of shook my head and I thought it just makes perfect sense. You know, whether you believe in climate change or not, why would you waste resources? Why not do this? Right. So that's going to be part of the key. And I think that, as you said at the outset, your community just is that they live that 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 is their culture is to be sustainable or at least aware that sustainability is is important and you shared with me a great graphic which we're going to try and figure out a way to make a link to since this is all audio and not visual but the graphic you sent me said that since 2018 greater victoria has had an impact of removing essentially a hundred cars emission from the region for a year. That's huge. That's just our organization as the DMO is destination yeah. Victoria, right? Yeah. So, and we started on this journey in 2018 and it's about, it's equivalent to, to reducing hundred cars for a year. So imagine if every organization did that and the impact that would have right. that goes back to the, 
the concept of um, setting the tone at the top and being community leaders. This is not my own personal mission. This is something that I've learned and I've grown into. Um, I was not raised this way. This is not the way my parents operated. Uh, this is something that I've developed into a, as a leader myself. But it, it's not just Paul Nursey's mission, it's the whole region. And I've been the one that's had to be flexible and adapt to the values of the region. And I've learned so much along the way and it's been very enriching professionally. Um, just like we all are at Destinations International, very focused on diversity and inclusion right now. All of us that are tuned in as CEOs, we're very focused on learning and improving our skills in that area as we should, and it's overdue. You know, I've been going on my own journey around sustainability and tourism and how we can make it a, a successful model uh, for the last five or six years, and it's been very, very enriching. You know, it's funny that you bring up Destinations International because every chair has kind of their raison d'etre, their mission for that year. And, you know, Spurge was all about ethics. And I still remember the year that Rick, and this was probably 2000 and, I don't know, two, three, four, where Rick Antonson, former CEO of Tourism Vancouver, said that his reign was going to be about blue-green. He was actually the very first guest on the DMOU teleseminars back in 2000, I think, in three. Yes. And we had him on as our first guest when we brought it back as a podcast a couple of years ago. And we said, how have we progressed? And he goes, not as far as I would have liked, because that was what we were talking about in 2003. And here we are today. I think Canada has a much greater appreciation uh, maybe than we do here in the States, but hopefully we can take your lead. Second question is, you've also created a sustainability advisory committee to research best practices, to disseminate sustainability information throughout the community, promote sustainability initiatives, and then serve as the official tourism industry interface with governments at all level. So that sounds like a lot more engaged than a lot of DMO, quote unquote, advisory committees are. What are some of the projects you've got this committee working on? Yeah, great. And then maybe at the end, we'll circle back to Rick Antonson, because I was actually at Tours of Vancouver when he was chair of Destinations International. So that's uh, funny that you have that, that long memory, which is amazing. So the sustainability committee is just part of our commitment. You know, if we didn't actually structure it into our governance structure, then what was the point, right? We weren't really being serious and we were only paying lip service uh, to this issue. So like many destination organizations, we have a board of directors, which is a combination of elected um, members and also um, appointees from government. So we have that blend. And then we have uh, five advisory committees ranging from sports, tourism, to sales and marketing, membership, finance, all the traditional ones. Um, but we also have a, a transportation destination management committee. And that is because, you know, we live on an island. Transportation access are very important. And so is destination management, taking care of the, the precious spot that we call home. So this, the sustainability committee was created as an ad hoc working committee under the destination management committee. And we had a, a lot of, um, a lot of uh, uptake and enthusiastic participation. So we're really working on kind of three things right now. The first thing that we're doing is we're trying to bring some coherence to all this, because as I mentioned earlier, everyone's doing it anyways. So the first item we're doing is we're cataloging all of the um, great initiatives that are going on right now, whether it's Green Marine or whether it's one of our, um, our motor coach companies that is services the cruise ship industry, which is now closed. Uh, but they're actually transforming their entire fleet to hydrogen mm. and they're building a shop so that other vehicles on the island or elsewhere in Canada can be converted to hydrogen. They went zero emission with battery power, but that didn't quite work. They needed longer, so they've made the decision to move to hydrogen. So they want to build a center of excellence around hydrogen. So we're cataloging all that so we can help tell the story. 
The second thing that we're doing is we're working through in partnership with one of our local universities. We're making a really meaty student project to research and vet all the global destination sustainability accreditation programs that are out there, whether it be Biosphere or others. And we're going to rank them and we're going to go through a deliberate process of choosing the right fit for us in Greater Victoria. And we're going to give it a year. We're going to talk about it and be collaborative. And then we're going to pursue that designation and do all the things that we need to do. But we're doing the front end work up front um, in partnership with a local university at one of our governance tables, which is a really exciting project for the students and the faculty. And also really helpful for us because we get third party views and perspectives and research on these various accreditation programs. The third thing that we're really doing then is we're working on some initiatives together. And so far, they're small. First of all, as, as you mentioned, we are the clearinghouse. So we're interfacing with local governments. Local governments have their own climate plans. They have waste reduction plans. Um, you know, they have various initiatives. So we're making sure that we're interfacing government to industry through the sustainability committee and that there's two-way dialogue there. And then we're going to pick some initiatives and some quick wins uh, that we want to pursue. You know, um, I was fortunate enough to be in Vail two years ago, actually, invited by MMTY Global for their summit at Vail. And I noted that all the hotel rooms and rooms in the resorts didn't have single-use plastic for water bottles anymore, but they had Vail-branded glass carafes that were filled with water. And that was really sleek and elegant and really told the story of how they care about the environment without it being in your face. Yeah. And I still got wonderful water and it was a branding opportunity, right? So there are things like that that we can pursue. And we're going to drive those to the sustainability committee um, and then push them out through all of our members. That's kind of what it's there for, where you want to ultimately create a pathway and then march down that pathway together. Very cool. You also, and I, I love this because it clearly works on a number of different levels. You launched a national conference hosted in Victoria called the Impact Sustainability Travel and Tourism, which is designed to spur a national dialogue on how tourism can achieve economic, social, and environmental sustainability. So not only have you created an event that can't be stolen from you, and it's not biddable, you're taking front and center in a national discussion in Victoria. Tell us the genesis story of Impact, because I think it's really cool. Yeah, well, thank you, Bill. So the genesis was, uh, we have three partners in it, um, a lady by the name of Deidre Campbell, who's a tourism powerhouse here in Canada, and her agency, she's a communications and PR agency, but much more than that. She's also a strategic advisor, was recently acquired by a, a UK company. So they're now called BD Tartan, but she's been an important player in the Canadian tourism landscape for several, couple decades now. Um, she's Canada's representative for Elizabeth Becker and her book Overbooked, for example. So very credible. She first suggested the idea to me when I started. And, you know, when you start taking over a CEO, you're, you know, your to-do list is 300 items long. And I kind of put it at about 300. <laughs> and then um, yeah. a couple of years in, I took, I, not me, but our organization took on responsibility for sales and marketing of the Victoria Conference Center. We came together with that city-owned asset. And there were some troublesome weeks that I couldn't fill. So the idea of creating our own conferences, which is not a new one, uh, business events is uh, done very frequently in Australia and Britain and other areas. We decided a, a, a national sustainability conference the third week of January would be a great thing to try and develop mm -hmm. and make it almost like the mini Sundance or mini Davos of sustainability for tourism, first in Canada, but now it's quickly becoming a global conference. The real genesis is, as I was sitting here in my chair as a CEO, as I mentioned, feeling a little bit about, out of touch because I wanted to do the right things. I just didn't know how. Like, where do you start in terms of translating this idea from practice and all the good intentions to drive a sustainability agenda and drive good business outcomes 
how do you start to make that happen? And I didn't even know where to start. So through that, I learned about things like the circular economy and different types of economic frameworks that are still very capitalist in their nature, but are also easy on the environment, mm -hmm. right? So um, we're not going to change the economic order here. I'm just the DMO. I'm trying to do a good job here and align with the city, our, our values of our city and our region. So I learned about that. You know, how do we translate the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals into concrete action? We learned from academics, from government representatives, some really great tour operators like Intrepid Travel, and then people who just want to learn. We have the gamut of people who are what I would call sustainability enthusiasts to just people who want to participate and learn. And we make sure it's a very safe environment, a very collaborative environment, and Impact has grown a brand of its own um, it's now really on the calendar of Canadian tourism conferences and increasingly North America and a little bit on the world map. We're going to do a, a mini virtual session March 31st, um, just an hour and a half. Everyone's kind of getting zoomed out, um, but we will have the full conference again January 2022 once everyone's vaccinated and we're going again because it's such an important topic. We can't let it slip away. And for people who are interested in that mini conference online, how can they find it? Uh, just at our website, tourismvictoria.com slash impact. Okay. Very cool. So before we get to your bonus round question, you said you wanted to go a little deeper on Rick Antonson, one of our uh, mutual friends. So uh, floor is yours. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll just maybe 30 seconds on Rick. I mean, what a leader. Um, when I joined the destination marketing world, I was doing winters and summers. I worked on trains on the Rocky Mountaineer, a luxury train travel. And I worked winters as a sales and marketing manager at one of our local ski resorts, Mount Seymour. And was one of his um, speeches where I was just a member business where I was so inspired and he was talking about forward looking thinking. But once I got into tourism in Vancouver, he I learned about the um, the Oceans Blue Foundation, which is something that he helped create, which was to help make the cruise industry more sustainable. So listen, yeah. this was 2000 when I joined and this was already in place. So he was thinking about this and others in the 90s. So and then I, I was at tourism in Vancouver when he was chair of Destinations International and I was you know in the membership area and I would go to the IACBB shirt sleeves meetings and things like that, membership shirt sleeves, that's 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, little did I know that 20 years ago, I would be running um, a major destination in Canada and um, advancing the same agenda because it's the right thing to do. So Rick is an inspiration to all of us. And uh, I'm really happy that he's enjoying a very fruitful and engaged retirement as an author. Very prolific. And if uh, you haven't had the opportunity, all of his books are wonderful, but I still gravitate back to really the first one, to Timbuktu for a haircut. The way he turns phrases and the experience that he had of trying to get to Timbuktu, which is not an easy place to get to, um, and that's an understatement. It's a fascinating book, and I encourage everybody to do that. And if you don't want to read, uh, at least go online to YouTube, search Rick Antonson and Cathedral Thinking. And it's one of my favorite videos out there about yeah. You know, we need to build the next thing in the next two or three years. But yet, centuries ago, people began to build cathedrals knowing they would never, ever worship in that cathedral because it would take a 100 years to build. And it's a great concept to really understand that there's no time like the present to say, let's do something for our kids. Yeah. And frankly, sustainability is one of those things, right? Well, exactly. If you don't start, you're never going to make any progress. Yeah. Rick is one of the leaders that inspired me, as was Michelle McKenzie, who was of the now what's called Destination Canada. And um, it's good to give her props the same week as uh, International Women's yeah. Day. All right. To the bonus round. In your younger years, you said you played a lot of hockey and you worked on trains. And you say that the team aspect of both of them 
prepared you well for your role in destination marketing. So explain what you mean by that. Yeah. And it's one of those things that you, you don't really understand until you, um, maybe you have the ability to look backwards, but I played a lot of hockey and other team sports growing up. I uh, actually had a bit of a minor, mini minor um, professional career that was very short lived, but I'm only five foot six. So (laughs) I can only go so far playing hockey uh, at that height. And then the same thing uh, when I, I I was kind of lost, actually, I was going to university and I was in the service industry, which I loved. I was studying economics and regional planning. And it wasn't really until I got working back on the train on the Rocky Mountaineer where I felt whole again. And that was where, you know, you put on a uniform, you're with a set of colleagues, you do a bit of a road trip, you pack up your stuff and you go and you have a mission to accomplish. It's a little bit physical because the train can toss you around a little bit. It can jostle you up a little bit, but you're part of a team and you're part of a mission and you're there to accomplish something. So at least there's a hockey saying for those that, um, that follow hockey or maybe other team sports, they always say, you play for the crest or the logo on the front of your jersey and not for the name on the back of the yeah. jersey. So you're about the team first and the individual right. second, right. right? That's a important thing. And so it's the same thing here with destination organizations. We are a mission-driven organization. We're here to serve the community. We need to be servant leaders. So many times in destination marketing organizations, whether they be at the national level, the provincial or state level, or the or the civic level or anywhere, I see people with really big egos use the platform to try and showcase their skills, make them platforms for themselves. But I think the best leaders are actually servant leaders and they're there to support the mission, right? So I think that's why working as part of an innately team-driven sport such as hockey, where you have five people plus a goalie on the ice for very short periods of time and you have to make magic happen. And then on the train, again, a team-oriented environment has served me well because I really do push back when I see those individual players because you need to meld into a team to be greater than the sum of your parts and then really deliver what I call, you know, exponential value to our members and our communities. So I think that's what really helped me. Um, it helps shape, you know, what your experiences in your youth help shape you. And um, I think it served me well. That is very cool. And it's very deep. I mean, I get the hockey analogy, but the train thing I never thought of until I started thinking, well, yeah, I'm watching Snowpiercer, and that is a team operation that's, that's not working like a team right now. <laughs> Still, anybody who's watching Snowpiercer knows that, well, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, exactly. And, and, and both of them, um, you do face some adversity. And I won't go into train stories. That's in a whole other book. Um, but you're out there on two ribbons of steel in the wilderness, and anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Yeah. And you just have to overcome, right, and deliver an exceptional experience for your guests. Well, I'll tell you what. It's been about 20 years now since Rick Antonson directed us to Think Blue Green. And you have picked up that mantle uh, for all of us in the destination marketing world. And um, we are just really impressed watching how you do what you do. I know a lot of it is is being supported by a community that that is their culture. But if you can teach us around this continent and around this world, how to do this better. Thank you for that. Because we think that where you're going is where we all need to go. We just need to know that we can go there. It was interesting. The other day, we had a conversation with Elliot Ferguson of Destination DC, and and we were talking about diversity and equity and inclusion. And he says, you know, he goes, the problem is, one of the problems, is that CEOs are not wired generally to say, I don't know the answer. That's just not who we are. And he says, we have to show some vulnerability. We have to understand that it's okay not to have all the answers, but at least move in that general direction. And I think that that's the same thing that we're talking about here in sustainability. Sustainability has been politicized. 
I don't think a lot of us, it's not our native tongue, but we have to start to move in that direction. And I think that when we do, we show the rest of our community no. um, our soul. And I think that's important for the long range viability of destination marketing organizations. Well, thanks, Bill. I appreciate that. And I've made a lot of mistakes along the way here, and it's certainly been a process and will continue to be. You know, I have some kind of on the more extreme radical side saying we're not moving fast enough, but we're making a genuine effort here. And uh, I agree with Elliot right. in terms of vulnerability, and we have to do that as CEOs, just what we have to do. Well, thanks for all you do. Can't wait to uh, see you in your hometown in a couple of years and hopefully uh, at DI in Baltimore later this year. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and your peers, this is where the best and the brightest get together to tell inspiring stories for DMO pros. And thanks too to our sponsor, Searchlight Global, the premier executive search firm in the DMO space. Mike Gamble and his team uncover the talent out there that isn't looking, meaning that you get the richer candidate pool that you need. If you're looking for a new opportunity or looking for the perfect candidate, call them. You can find more at searchwideglobal.com. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find more on our services to the DMO world, plus links to the Z News, our Knowledge Bank, videos, blogs, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, as well as links to earlier episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.